May I speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Astonishing though it may sound, there's someone who collects first-day covers signed by deans. And every so often I get a first-day cover in an envelope and I'm asked to sign it and then return it to the collector. Um, Truly, that is rather strange, but he has a very full collection of my signatures. Other people, I know people who follow football teams, collect football programmes or sometimes jumpers, uh, jerseys of their favourite football players and sometimes even balls signed by the whole of a football team. Um, Preachers collect something rather different we collect pulpits. Um, I have stood in the pulpit in Cambridge and preached from where Archbishop Cranmer announced the Reformation in England. I have stood most thrillingly of all in the pulpit in Washington DC where Martin Luther King preached for the final time before he was murdered, or we might say martyred. And that's the pulpit that I was frightened to to enter and quite overcome. Martin Luther King is most certainly one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Christian leader of the past century. In the words of St. Paul, he laid aside the works of darkness and challenged them profoundly in his non-violent leadership of the great struggle in the United States for integration. He faced repeated attempts to um, put him in prison, and indeed he served some time in prison, He faced enormous hostility at one time having, in fact, the dogs of the state troopers actually set on him and those with him. And he faced truly the extraordinary power of a small part of the American establishment, which at that time in the South did not want equal rights. Truly, Martin Luther King sought to cast away, to cast out the works of darkness in the racism he experienced. But in another way, he did not. Externally, he, from really almost his early 20s, he began to lead this great campaign standing steadfast against what he identified as evil. But in his own personal life, he did not. He struggled for most of his life against um, sexual compulsion. And again and again and again, alas, committed adultery So we have this odd disjunction 
of a public life of great witness and a private life where his failures in morality threatened to undermine his whole message. The first point I'd like to make is that both these things were true. Both his witness for truth and his personal failure, both were profound. In the press today, we rightly read again and again of the experience of leaders in our community, leaders in the arts, being revealed to be people of profound, profound violence against women. It is right that we challenge this violence. It is also right, though, that we recognize the complexity of people's lives. Martin Luther King, in his lived experience, is an extraordinary example of someone who was a martyr, a saint, in a, martyred in a great cause, and also a sinner profoundly alienated from the God he served. This complexity is found in most of our lives. We are called forward to serve the Lord, and yet we know that part of our lives, that service is not seen. We're sinful in the words of St. Paul, we are overwhelmed by the works of darkness. Martin Luther King was sustained in all of this complex life of witness and failure. He was sustained by a vision of Christ when he was 26, when he'd already begun to live this complex life. He woke up in the middle of the night and sat alone in his kitchen, unable to sleep and frightened of what the next day would bring. Martin Luther King's absolute refusal to respond to violence with violence put him in a very vulnerable place. And he said, I heard the voice of Jesus. He promised never to leave me alone. No, never alone. Do we think that Jesus kept this promise? Never to leave Martin Luther King alone. Did he leave Martin Luther King alone in his sin? Did Christ give up on Martin Luther King because of his extraordinary compulsion and failures? In Advent, we too discover that we are both saints and sinners.
There are two paradoxical statements of St. Paul. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. And then, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Both these paradoxical statements are true, as we discover in Advent. All of us shall stand before the judgment seat of God. What we have done that is wrong will be unmasked. Injustice, falsity, personal failure will become evident before our judge. And therefore we must begin today to cast off such falsity, to root out such injustice, to shape our lives truly according to the gospel. But then there is the second half of the message of Advent. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. The joyful news of Advent is the unfolding of this theme that we can trust utterly in the love of God for us. Whatever we do, whatever we do cannot separate us from God. In Christ we are forgiven, filled with hope and love, and given to the grace to change our lives. So, dear brothers and sisters, as we begin Advent in this complex world, with our complex muddled lives of sin and of blessing, of grace and of darkness. Let us not despair, but trust the words of Paul. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So, did Christ keep his promise to Martin Luther King? These are the words that King prayed in the days before he died. He said, Lord Jesus Christ, fulfill your promise to me, never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. Never alone. You promised never to leave me alone. That is our Advent hope. 